So Purple Rain has iconic song after iconic song. And the seventh track on the album, I Would Die For You, was yet another top 10 hit for Prince following the chart successes of When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, and Purple Rain. The song that kind of was uh, the penultimate track in the film, uh, right, right before Baby I'm a Star, and basically kicked off the celebratory victory lap encore of the film. And it's, uh, it's, it's an upbeat track, and I think it's a great song to have my guest for this episode, Erica Thompson. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you back again. And um, I think with I Would Die For You, I don't know, to me it feels like a pretty straightforward song about, you know, a man's dedication to another person and the ways maybe that that or the lengths that that person would go to show his love for for that person and it fits very well into the the movie purple rain where basically the kid sings it to apollonia and they have this really tender touching moment where they're looking at each other and singing to each other i don't know i don't get much else from the song it's gonna be a pretty straightforward and easy episode don't you think yeah totally simple i think we'll be done in five minutes you know, no religious overtones or anything. No, what? just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. We'll try not to be here for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I knew that there was a reason why you uh, you volunteered to join me on this, this particular song. Because, uh, you know, with the episodes that we had done in the past, sexuality and let's pretend we're married, there were certainly... Uh, religious overtones to those songs, some subtext going on there. And <laughs> I Would Die For You, along with probably Let's Go Crazy, are, I would say, the, the two most overtly religious songs on the album, even though those messages are still very, or can be considered very buried if you're not looking for them. Yeah, and I actually, so I always like to talk about this album as like a very Christian album. And even like, aside from those songs that you mentioned, I think there are just so many little things throughout the whole project that, oh, you know, sure. yeah, like you said, you might not catch like, uh, like Darling Nikki, the backwards um, audio at the end, you know, yep. saying the Lord is coming soon. And even um, with something like Purple Rain, it will especially live, I guess, he would change the lyrics and say, let the Lord guide you to the Purple Rain and all of his monologues on stage during this tour. But then also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but on the back of the Purple Rain vinyl, he has like this long written conversation on there. And there's some like religious things in there as well. Like he's talking about Adam and Eve a little bit. Um, in all of that text, and that's kind of part of what he says on stage, too. So, really, it's just everywhere throughout this album. It is, it is. And I Would Die For You, because of its placement in the film, towards the very end, as I mentioned, and it's the second-to-last song performed, it's sung like in the encore section. You know, per the performance of Purple Rain in the film kind of feels like this uh, <clears throat> this apology song where, you know, he's essentially saying sorry to all the people he's wronged in the film or like almost getting um, forgiven for all of his sins, <laughs> sins from the out from the, uh, the film. And then the rest of the last two songs, I would die for you and baby. I'm a star are more upbeat. You know, they're very uplifting, upbeat songs after the, the big emotional impact that purple rain, 
the song provides in the film. And so in the movie, he's singing it to Apollonia and this is their chance to kind of connect without, you know, from, from performer to audience member, they're connecting, they're looking at each other. They're making the little signs, sign language that goes along with the song. And you just kind of get lost a little bit in all of that imagery from the film on the surface. I would die for you. You know, you think of it like somebody says that to a lover or a partner. They're thinking like that's a really bold statement to make about somebody else. Like that's a commitment. You don't sit, you don't take that lightly if somebody says that to you. And I think that's probably why for me and maybe others, this song's alternate message gets a bit lost because of the film and how it's placed. What, what do you think about that? I will say that when I first heard this, when I really first paid attention to this song and this album, I was a teenager. So I didn't, I don't know that I caught um, the other relig- the religious message, but um, what really turned it around for me was actually seeing his live performance. And we'll get into this later, but when he says, um, I'm your Messiah, but he changes it uh, during the live show to he's your Messiah. And then it all clicked for me like, wow, this song, you could take it, you can interpret it as being from the perspective of Jesus Christ. You know, so once you have that in your head, I think it's a little bit easier to interpret. But I think that's what's so brilliant about Prince is that he can just do all of these different layers and you really don't catch them uh, unless you really think about them. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to really think about these lyrics. You almost have to like sit down with them and look at the lyrics independent from the music. Look at it as like a poem or look at it like, you know, somebody's journal entry or something like that. And just forget the music, forget the fact that this is a pop song that, you know, was a big hit for them. And just look at it from the lines and just break it down like that. Because once you read it, it's it's so obvious it's it's like it's so obvious to somebody who's looking at it now who, like all you have to say to somebody is read those lyrics again but think of it now from a religious context and it's just like holy shit i cannot believe i missed all of that you know for all those years and it's and it's just because you know you you listen to a song and you get your in your head what you think the lyrics are about and then you forget, you forget about it. You forget that, that there's more work to do, you know, in listening to a song. It's important to note, and this is something that I haven't thought about until recently, even as you interpret this from religi- a religious perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean that these are his beliefs. I mean, I think they are I, because he was raised as a Christian and, you know, from later becoming a Jehovah's Witness and all of that. But a lot of writers use religion as a literary device or mm-hmm. as to like underscore this ultimate sacrifice for their love. So I think that's something that I've been trying to keep in mind uh, lately for myself, too. So it's a short song. It's uh, under three minutes total length. Uh, goes very quickly. We've got three verses, a chorus, it's only a few lines long, uh, a short instrumental break, and then the song, you know, it's, it's pretty much over after th- just under three minutes. Fun song to dance to. It's got, you know, like I kind of already mentioned, it's got like the, the hand movements you can do along with Prince and the Revolution. 
that they do on stage in the film. If you kind of memorize those, that's kind of fun to do along with the song. for the first verse are I'm not a woman I'm not a man I'm something that you'll never understand I'll never beat you I'll never lie and if you're evil I'll forgive you by and by so if I'm looking at it from from a different perspective because I'm gonna let you speak on where you know maybe you might be coming from with some of the religious uh, aspects of it but I'm looking at this also from a different angle and that angle is maybe prince as like this uh example of prince acting as like this musical messiah almost not not necessarily religious and so he's saying he's not a woman he's not a man he's something that we'll never understand and i look a lot at that towards his image at that time was very androgynous or leading up until purple rain was very androgynous and so those first two lines i'm not a woman i'm not a man to me always kind of spoke to that part of his his public persona did you ever get any of that kind of imagery or feeling from those lines before you kind of learned another alternate version of this um you know what not right away like when i heard again when i heard it as a teenager i don't even think i paid attention to him saying i'm not a woman i'm not a man and what a very bold way to start a song but i i honestly don't think it was until i got a little bit older and then you're seeing all of this scholarship on gender and things like that that i really started to think about it but you know prince was always open to being in touch with both his masculine and feminine sides and we saw that when he changed his name to the love symbol so it it all makes sense now um that interpretation but it took a while to occur to me yeah and this is so early in that process though because the the love symbol well i mean we get a very early version of the love symbol during the purple rain era because you know you've got that the much more simple version of the combined male and female symbols on his motorcycle but we don't get the version that we ended up getting in the 90s you know, the, the fancier version, I guess, for lack of a better term. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it now ba- backwards, 36 years. And sure, I can I can apply some of the things that I've learned about Prince since then and some of the things that he put forth in the 90s and beyond to these lyrics. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it's something that can be done with the symbol and the love symbol and the name change to the, the glyph something that you'll never understand can almost be looked at at like that you know it's you can't explain i can't i can't tell you what my name is my name is a symbol my name is love you know and it's it's this masculine and feminine approach towards music and and um especially his his look as well at the time in the 80s for sure but besides looking at it from that angle you know i there's obviously more to this verse. What, what are your what are your thoughts, and how do you want to um, kind of talk about this verse? Yeah. Um, so if you take the lines, "I'm not a woman, I'm not a man," and if you're thinking about it from a religious point of view, you're thinking about something greater than 
humankind. Um, and you could define that as God, even though in the Bible, like God and Jesus are, are referred to in very masculine terms. But I also would encourage people to think about this song in terms of the Holy Spirit, um, which is like a helper or a comforter um, that God sends. And it is something that's very tied to Jesus. Um, and I'll get into this later when we get into the dove imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you th- if you just think about a spirit, like the spirit of God that you can't really define in human terms. Right. And yeah, and also um, if you get to lines like "I never lie," you think about the perfect nature of of Jesus who didn't sin, the perfect nature of God. Um, and also, of course, as you mentioned earlier, the forgiveness of sins when it says, if you're evil, I'll forgive you by and by. Um, but I also want to mention something else, too. And that's like as we're going through this, some of these lyrics can tie back to the movie more specifically than others. But here, when you think of I'll never beat you, mm-hmm. uh, you'll think of, you know, the kid being abusive to Apollonia and his the kid's father being abusive to the kid's mother. Um, so that's something that I think about, too, uh, when I hear that lyric. And, you know, by the end of the movie, it's kind of like saying, I'm not going to do these things anymore. I'm not going to be this person anymore. And, you know, we're the viewers, as the viewers, we're hoping that the father is not going to, you know, do these things to the mother, you know, if, if he survives, um, you know, his gunshot wound. But, um, but yeah, so, so I think it's just like a lot of different things to think about, which is really cool. For sure. And I think that is because of the film and because of its, its connection, its strong, strong connection to the film that millions and millions of people saw those lines. Like you mentioned, I never beat you. I'll never lie really do help the the listener and the movie goer listen to the song from its how in its role for the, with the film and and like you said kind of almost like an apology like purple rain was kind of an apology and now he's back on stage and he's um really more explicitly because you know the, the the lyrics to purple rain sound like an apology in music musically sound like an apology but lyrically eh, not not as much but this song is almost like a celebration like where you you're so happy that the person that you wronged seemingly forgives you and seemingly willing to take you back and it's kind of like that person who is just so happy that they are being forgiven for the bad terrible things that they've done to the person that this is their chance to kind of like make a big declaration like a big grand statement and and the kid is doing it on stage to apollonia like yeah i did these bad things i was kind of a shitty boyfriend uh here's how i'm going to make it up to you and i'm I'm promising you here on stage in front of everybody that i'm not going to do these things again and and that kind of gives us the listener that feeling that that he's almost singing these this at least this verse directly to her for those reasons. Yeah, and I do want to also add too that if you think about some of the dialogue in the movie, the kid's father says, "I would die for you" to the kid's mother. Yeah, um, that's right. So I, you know, that's just like another way to tie it back to the movie, and then. You know, the kid was so influenced by his father and Prince was so influenced by his real life father. And this movie is inspired by his relationship with both of his parents and and some of the turmoil there. So it's just 
it's just really kind of brilliant the way it all comes together. Yeah, I mean, this this whole verse can be sung as the kid, and it makes sense. <laughs> it could be sung as God, and it makes sense, because, you know, he's talking about, I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something you'll never understand. If you're evil, I'll forgive you. I mean, who has the power to do that besides God, right? And then um, it also, as I mentioned at the very beginning, kind of almost can be sung by Prince, as, you know, Prince saying to us, not that, not as the kid, but Prince saying, I'm looking at these lyrics now from a 2020 perspective, which we didn't have the luxury of knowing Prince was going to change his name to a symbol in 1984. But we did have a lot of that uh, androgynous kind of approach towards his music and towards his look. So those t- first two lines certainly sound more like Prince singing them than the kid or, of course, God, if you're not really looking at it from that from that perspective. So, I yeah, I, I really love how you can look at it as from multiple ways as we're doing right now. <laughs> it's yeah, so cool. yeah. <laughs> All right, so then he goes right into the chorus after that line about if you're evil, I'll forgive you by and by because you... I would die for you. Darling, if you want me to, you. I would die for you. A very bold statement to make, regardless of where it's coming from. You know, like what perspective is that person saying these lines? Are they saying it as a man speaking to a woman? Is it, you know, once again, we're talking about a religious context what that means if somebody's going to die for you if you're talking jesus christ and in in its religious contexts and then if you're talking even once again from prince's perspective like the artist writing the song and singing it if you're singing it from his perspective what does that mean i would die for you does it mean literally die or does it mean like i'm going to commit my life as you know an artist because it's what I was born to do. It was what I was meant to do. And that means I eventually will die as an artist because I will never do anything but make music. I don't know if you had any other thoughts on the chorus besides, you know, the kind of things we've already talked about. Did you want to say anything else about it? No, that was well said. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, so then we move on to verse 2, and verse 2 goes, I'm not your lover, I'm not your friend. I'm something that you'll never comprehend. No need to worry, no need to cry. I'm your Messiah, and you're the reason why. All right, so I'm going to let you start off talking about verse 2, Erica. Yeah. Um, So again, it's kind of, if you think about, I'm not your lover, I'm not your friend, I'm something that you'll never comprehend. Again, if you're thinking about it in terms of God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, it's just, it's something that is greater than all of those things. Again, greater than human terms uh, to think about. Um, But also, um, aside from the religious uh, perspective, if you are just thinking about someone saying this to their lover, um, at first, I think I was like, well, wait, no, I want you to be my love and friend. <laughs> I want you to be my friend. Like these are things I will write. <laughs> but um, 
I think it's it's kind of cool because it's like expressing that no, I'm so much more than that. I want to be all of these different things to you. Like I can't really quantify my love for you. So I think that's a cool way of looking at it. Yeah.、Um, And then moving on,、uh, Jason, I would like for you to open your Bible to <laughs> Matthew <laughs> chapter six, verse twenty-five. So I figured I should throw some some verses in here too. So I'm glad no, you did. <laughs> no, <laughs> need, <laughs> no need to worry.、Uh, makes me think about that section, Matthew six twenty-five, where Jesus is actually talking about. Not worrying because God has your best interests at heart. God is going to protect you. It's a pretty famous passage、um, in the Bible, so that's that's what it makes me think about if we're if we're interpreting this from Jesus'、uh, perspective.、Right. And then also, no need to cry. The first thing that comes to my mind is Revelation twenty one four, where God is talking about you know He'll wipe away every tear after Jesus returns. Um, so again, like if you if you're a believer, if you believe that God has your best interests, you just have to believe in Him. You just have to confess Jesus as your Savior. You don't have to worry about being sad.、Um, you can get through the trying times in your life. And then、um, finally, I'm your Messiah, and you're the reason why. So Messiah is the Hebrew name for Savior. Um, and that is applied to Jesus in the Bible. And again, as I mentioned earlier, during his live shows, Prince would sometimes say, "He's your Messiah," and like point to the sky to really drive home that religious interpretation. So, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of deep symbolism here.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, starts off. I'm not your lover. 1979, Prince wanted to be your lover. <laughs> 1984, he doesn't. <laughs> so he he's changed his mind over the past five years. Want to be your lover? I don't want to be your lover. Okay, okay, okay. You know you're you, you have every right to change your mind, Prince.、Um, I'm not your friend. I'm something that you'll never comprehend. When I'm looking at this now, if I'm taking the perspective of like this is Prince saying it to us, I'm not your lover. I'm not your friend. Okay, I get that. You're you're an artist. You know you're you're not here to be. To be somebody that we at least, and I'm talking once again, 1984. So 1984, he was pretty aloof to the press, from what I remember and what I, you know, have read about since then. He didn't really trust the press, didn't do a lot of interviews, you know, building a mystique. That was a big part of of what he did early in his career was building this mystique around himself.、Uh, so some of that, you know, was kind of. By the time Purple Rain came out, that was. A bit of the intent, I think, was to have this mystique behind him, so that people weren't sure if this was autobiographical, or if this was just fiction, or if it was somewhere in between, which is what it really was. But you know, something that you'll never comprehend. I'm looking at it, and also a little bit like I, you know, Prince is thinking of as an artist, as a musician, who is not here to be that type of. This artistry is comes first and foremost. Like he doesn't have time, you know, for these deep relationships with with everybody that he meets because he's very focused. You know, laser focused on his career. And I think there have been accounts、uh, and biographies where people that he worked with, you know, he was at his most at ease with them when they were working together. But then outside of like the studio situation, I mean, there are exceptions, of course. But outside of like the studio, outside of、um, 
band practice. You know, it was kind of like he, he came across to some people as very aloof because he was just so focused on his musical aspirations that all this other stuff <laughs> was just not worth his time. You know, like these like small talk or, you know, having conversations that didn't revolve around music. And I'm not saying that that is how he dealt with everybody in his life, because we know that also isn't true. But if I'm reading deep into this <laughs> as Prince <laughs> writing this song, you know, you one can think of it like that and think of it from the standpoint that, you know, he's also still building this mystique and still building this uh, aura about him as something maybe not easy to pinpoint who he's it who he is and who, what he's about something that we'll never comprehend okay i you know just put it out in the music and that's how if you want to get to know me listen to my music hasn't he said something to that effect in in future interviews yeah um, and, and you're just to jump in real quick i mean I, I love this interpretation and it's making me think of controversy am i black or white am i straight or gay like you're you're absolutely right just keeping that mystique alive and even like the black or white part it makes me think about the casting of the actors and of his parents and you know how prince would just kind of let interviewers speculate about his race because he didn't want to be pigeonholed um in terms of like what black artists were allowed to do so i think it's 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 really cool to think about that i really like that interpretation yeah, and that really only applies to really just the first half of this verse. Because once you get past those first three lines, then you get to the no need to worry, no need to cry. I'm your Messiah and you're the reason why. Well, unless you're taking it to the next level and you're saying Prince is basically calling himself Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, unless you're unless you're taking it like that and thinking of it like, boy, this guy's got an ego, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's how if you're if you're looking at it from the angle that I just took for those first three lines and applying that to the next three, then that really kind of paints a different picture of, of the man if he's calling himself the Messiah uh, in a song. It's a pretty bold statement as well, as, as there's been a couple bold statements already made in this song. So, I, I mean, yeah, I could see people reading this line or listening to this line, I'm your Messiah, and maybe being offended by it. I never was. Um, I don't know. There may be some people out there that have been offended by it if they thought too much about it. Yeah, I wasn't personally offended by it, but I know <laughs> from interviews I've done or interviews that I've read that people, you know, would say, you know, Prince had a God complex because of his ego. And I even like remember like old articles that I've read where where journalists were talking about that too. Like, oh, he's saying he's the Messiah. So I think some people were kind of put off by that line, especially when they think about, you know, the the ego that Prince had at the time. So yeah, that that might not have sat well with some people. Yeah, and if it's really just like you have to think of it. If if I am looking at it from that angle and thinking of it as Prince singing about himself, in a way, uh, going back to my comment about him being a musical messiah. So, yeah. no matter how big of his ego was at the time, there's no way that he thought of himself literally as the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know. It was never, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine, I can't fathom that ever being something he thought of when he wrote this. So I, 
if it's not going to be him taking the the perspective of Jesus, which this kind of more feels like, like talking Jesus Christ in the religious aspects of it, this verse comes across more as like Jesus speaking. Uh, but if it's Prince speaking, then yeah, I could think of it more like your musical savior, <laughs> and, which is a bit you know overly dramatic and you know taking that approach towards their their musicality and how they're delivering their message through their music to call themselves a musical savior. And so I don't know if he's doing that or not, but it's, it's certainly another interpretation, I guess. Yeah, and I think too to add like from the perspective of a woman like. The, the I'm your Messiah line. So like earlier when I was kind of talking about this abundant love of like, I'm, you know, I'm more than your lover. I'm more than your friend. Like on one hand, that does sound really good. <laughs> but on the other hand, that can be a little bit controlling. Like to have a man who wants to be like everything to you and you can't find those other things outside of him. And I think, you know, with, with what we kind of know about his relationships and all the women, you know, you could make, you could make a point that mm, that might be a little controlling Prince. Um, so I think that's, that's something to, to think about too, without getting too deep into his personal life. But I think, yeah. like I said, I think it's worth considering. Yeah. That is always a fine line because neither of us knew him personally. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's easy. It's let me rephrase that. It's it's very difficult sometimes to, with, I'm sure you're like me, have read multiple biographies and, you know, other people's accounts about Prince at the time and what he's the person he was, you know, and their from their eyes, from their perspective, because a lot of it was not out of his mouth and not his words. And it's easy to like apply that, like it's in our brain because we read it. You know, you don't forget it. You don't forget the things people have said. But it is difficult sometimes to just set that aside and not not go too deep into the personal aspects because we didn't know him. We didn't know where his head was at when he was writing the song. It sometimes it's fun to think of that, but but with the caveat <laughs> that that neither of us really you know, knew who knew him personally. So we are all always just speculating and it's really just kind of just a, a way to reimagine lyrics and just talk about them from multiple perspectives. And one of those could be from the perspective of the persona of Prince and who he was, not necessarily who he actually was. Absolutely. But then Jason, like if you're if you're just thinking about this as a love song though do you want like your wife or your partner saying i'm your messiah <laughs> no that's why this this whole second verse doesn't quite fit the same way the first one did yeah like, like if you're looking at it from from the movie like how does it fit in the movie the first verse we gave examples multiple examples of how the first verse really does it can fit with the movie can fit with the scene that it's being performed in towards the end of the end of the film but the second verse doesn't so much it really doesn't and it's it's confusing if you're but it, but by this point though by this point you're listening to this song you've already heard that first verse you're dancing along i would die for you you know you're just kind of forgetting that the song even has lyrics at this point and the second verse really trips us up if we're looking at it from that 
from the person singing it on stage in the movie, from the kid, because none of these lines <laughs> really do paint him in a, a great light after after the kind of uh, really nice sentiments that are in the first verse, like, oh, I'll never beat you, I'll never lie. Uh, I'm not your lover, I'm not your friend. Yeah. Okay, so you gave an exa- a good example of how that could be interpreted as being kind of sweet like i'm more than that i don't, I don't want to just be your lover i don't want to just be your friend i want to be something deeper that that works uh, but then <laughs> you know i'm your messiah eh, i don't know it's it certainly lends itself to be that alternate interpretation because that is the so we can cherry pick you know <laughs> yeah we can absolutely cherry pick the the interpretation that we like the best based off of how the lyrics are being read and how we interpret them and how we kind of uh from where we're coming from how we're listening to the song we can cherry pick like first verse i like that as a, as being sung by the kid second verse eh, i prefer that to being something that jesus would say <laughs> <laughs> i like it and it's also it's also making me think of like that the batman album where you have all these different perspectives from different characters. So it's something yeah. that, that Prince does really well. Yeah, it certainly does. Okay, so after the second verse, the get the chorus again. I would die for you, darling, if you want me to. I would die for you. You get the instrumental break here. I'm sure he's dancing, you know, on stage during this <laughs> instrumental break. But then we get the uh, the third and last verse of the song. You're just a sinner, I am told. Be your fire when you're cold. Make you happy when you're sad. Make you good when you are bad. I'm not a human, I'm a dove. I'm your conscious, I am love. All I really need is to know that you believe. And I like how he sings that last one. All I, I really need is to know that you believe. <laughs> that's that's great. But uh, yeah, this these are more lines. It's a little different structure than the first two verses. I guess one could call it a bridge. Um, but still, it's another grouping of, of lyrics. So, you're just a sinner, I am told. Be your fire when you're cold. All right, so this next section of lyrics, you know, from the perspective of it's being Prince, and this is, it was really, when I was reading these lyrics, that it kind of came to me a little bit, that could this be just Prince talking about him as a as an artist, as a musician? Maybe not that you're just a sinner, I'm told, but like the fire when you're cold, make you happy when you're sad, make you good when you're bad. So music can do that. It can it can do all of those things. It can be metaphorical fire when you're cold, you know, something to warm you up, something to make you happy when you're sad, uplifting, and uh, make you good when you're bad. Sure, I guess, maybe less so than the previous two lines. But that's that's where I kind of first got the, the the genesis, no pun intended, of of those lines being maybe could be 
interpreted that way as as Prince singing about about him as a musician, about his music and what its intent is or like what one of his hopeful intents of his music is to be uplifting, to make people happy when they're sad, to to warm them when they're feeling down and out and cold inside. Um, So, yeah, anyway, uh, I'll let you kind of dive into this as well. Why don't you give it a a shot? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I love your interpretation, too. And, I mean, Prince's music is certainly that way for me. (laughs) It does. Yeah, it it does cheer me up. It does do all of those things. um, So that's awesome. Um, But if you are looking... Well, first, before I get into the religion, the first line where he says, you're just a sinner, I am told. The kid's father calls the kid's mother a sinner in the movie Damn. so yeah so again see how brilliant prince is <laughs> like totally forgot that <laughs> yeah to go back to that dialogue and then flip it to have these other meanings it's just really really cool so um but yeah if you are looking at it from a religious a religious perspective um again you know according to the bible every all, every one of us um is a sinner Right. And Jesus is like the mediator between humankind and God. So through Jesus' sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Um, so that's how you can interpret that line. Uh, be your fire when you're cold. Again, like if you're thinking about the Holy Spirit uh, being sent as a comforter, you can look at it from that perspective. Uh, make you happy when you're sad. Make you good when you are bad. So again, like... You know, we don't need to be sad. We can rejoice because, um, you know, Jesus sacrificed um, his life for us. And then also, yeah, make you good when you are bad, when you've sinned. Again, you're going to be forgiven uh, through Jesus' sacrifice. So I think those lines are kind of pretty straightforward when you think about it from that perspective. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Those first four lines, you know, once you get that image in your head, this could be looked at from a religious perspective you're thinking like you already mentioned the holy spirit uh and also just how the intent of belief in god i was raised catholic i was baptized and all that good stuff and i went to a catholic school for the my entire my entire childhood and you know some of these messages i wish would have been more in the forefront of and maybe I was just too young, and I, I'm going to also attribute a lot of that to my youth and just not really hearing what the messages were. But bringing bringing light, bringing joy to the world are, are what I, I want to believe are the intent, the original intent of religion as well as, of course, to, to give us purpose as human beings seeking out purpose in our lives why are we here what what's our greater calling what's what what's it all about what's the meaning of life and those are pretty deep conversations to have about a a three-minute pop song but you know with we're talking about this song and how prince potentially wrote this to be kind of a message song um masquerading as an upbeat pop track something that you know like gospel music would have done you know (laughs) but doing it doing it in his way and these lines i i can't see past it now that i've now that i've heard that and 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 looked at it from that angle i cannot listen to these lines but 
boy, it's pretty overt, you know, these lines, I would I would say. Yeah, I agree. But then the second half of this this verse, I'm not a human, I'm a dove. So I like the the fact that he called back to doves again because that was the previous song before this is when doves cry and as Zach Hoskins and I talked a little bit about on that episode, you can take that song to mean like he's calling himself a dove in that song and he's the one that's crying and when doves cry and here he says I am a dove you know <laughs> he's saying that right here in these lyrics um, what is your kind of take on a, I'm not a human I'm a dove besides I mean we kind of already talked and alluded to the Holy Spirit is that is there any more to it that you're seeing um, I think that you know, I'm pretty focused on that interpretation, especially because the dove is used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit um, in the Bible. Like specifically, if you guys want to have Bible study, uh, <laughs> you can you can go to Matthew um, chapter three, verse sixteen, and it's the Holy Spirit as a dove descended on Jesus after he was baptized. So that's you know, I'm I'm just like hyper focused on that interpretation. I think. Yeah, and and like I said, it's really difficult for me to look at it any other way. Now, I I already gave some examples of how you could look at the first four lines in this, or no, lines two through four in this section of the verse. But now, once you get past that, I'm not a human. I'm a dove. I'm your conscience. I am love. All I really need to know is that you believe. Oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's all pretty, pretty obvious there what he's talking about. I mean, it's, it's just, I feel like, in some ways, I feel like an idiot that it took me as long as it took me to, to listen to this. But as I said, what I feel like once you've heard a song so many times and you've already applied in your head the meaning that you're taking away from it, and that meaning was applied. I was much younger. So that that's my excuse. <laughs> yeah, no, don't feel bad at all. Like none of us got it instantly. And you're so busy, like for me, dancing to it, doing those the hand symbols, you know, like you said. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it does take a while. So the I am love uh, line, we know much later, well, not even much later, a few years later, love sexy era. For sure, he... Prince will then kind of make the correlation between love, God is love, love is God, and um, it's much, much more clear in the Love Sexy album. But I'm trying to think, is this really like the first clue that he gave us? I don't know if it is for a fact, but I've gone through, I mean, you know, I, obviously I'm the one... I'm the um, the one constant with every one of these episodes that I've done up to this point. I've had multiple guests, but I'm the, always the one that's on every single one. So I am not remembering another line up until this point, up to this song, where he mentions I am love, or love, where you can think of it beyond just the emotion. I don't know. Did, did Have you... I'm just asking you may not know or may not think of another example either. doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I personally can't think of another previous example than this one right here. 
Yeah, I'd have to go back. I don't want to say yeah. this is it for sure. And he certainly talked about God and talked about God and code before this album, but specifically God is love. I I need to go back before I say that definitively. Right. Um, but, you know, like as he said later, he like spells it out. God is love on Love Sexy. Um, and that comes from 1 John 4, 8. And um, it's it's cool because after you know that, after Prince gives you that information, like really anytime he talks about love, you're going to you're going to think twice about it. But yeah, <laughs> I'd have to go back and and double check to make sure that this is the first reference. Yeah, because, you know, like I mentioned, we had done Let's Pretend We're Married together. And there's that section at the very end of that song where, you know, he talks about God and religion. But that song is more about the, more like the physical pleasures of of quote unquote love. This is this one. It's and especially if following lines like I'm not human, I'm a dove, I'm your conscience, I am love. And then to throw in, all I really need to know is that you believe. So believe in, believe in me, believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so that's that's kind of how this song is almost like structured. You know, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bam, bam, bam. And those verses like that, where you can point to different lines in each of the verses and pinpoint where, like, who is probably, whose perspective is he speaking from? You know, in this in this verse, there's certain lines that certainly fit the perspective of of what God has has been. You know, examples of God in in the Bible, and then there's Jesus in the second verse, and then you have like all of these this imagery that has been used in the Bible for years that you've already kind of described for us with the dove and not being human and and just believing in in that. But now, if I'm gonna if I'm going to stretch it, you know, because we've we've already said like this this particular section of lyrics, this third verse, it's hard to really look at it from any other angle. But if I'm stretch if I'm gonna try to stretch it to the movie, you know, you you did a good job of helping us out with that. You're just a sinner line because that's something that the kid's father says, so you can make the connection there. But you know, you're fire when you're cold, happy when you're sad, good when you're bad. That can also be just something, some really nice, um, or, you know, uh, metaphors that a person would use to describe their love to somebody else. Like, I'm, I'm going to be your fire when you're cold. Make sure that I'm everything good to wipe away whatever bad that may occur in your life. So that fits if you really want to stretch it. And uh, the rest of it, you kind of have to skip because it doesn't make any sense for that. <laughs> but then I, all I really need to know is that you believe. You could say, you believe in me. And if you're the kid, you're trying to change a bit. You know, you're kind of doing some self-reflection throughout the film, realizing that maybe, you know, the, the home life that you grew up in and your environment has kind of given you uh, you know, you're you're two steps behind from a an emotional developmental standpoint, and you want to become a better man. You want to be somebody who can be open and honest and and there for that person that you you feel like you love or you're beginning to love. 
and he's asking potentially Apollonia in that moment, I I need to know that you believe, you believe in me. And that's just another way that I think that one could look at that line in the context of the film. Yeah, I think I agree. I think you can absolutely um, have that interpretation. And I do just want to add, there is one more line from the kid's father that applies to this. If you mm -hmm. think about um, make you happy when you're sad. And if you think about all I really need to know is that you believe. So in the movie, he says, the kid's father says to the kid's mother, I could make you happy if you just believed in me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So again, it's like playing off that dialogue again. Yeah, we're definitely able to cherry pick lines from this song. <laughs> As I mentioned, so, like, yeah. it's all about cherry picking here. We can cherry pick anything we want and make it apply to any of the three interpretations we've been throwing around. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool though, because you know, you, you hear when you're listening to the song, you hear the lines that that speak the most to you and speak the most to what what you want to get out of the song. And if you want to get out of the song, a song about somebody's devotion, somebody's um, declaring that very publicly, this enormous love, an enormous commitment to somebody else, you're going to hear the lines like, I'll never beat you, I'll never lie. You're going to hear lines like, no need to worry, no need to cry. You're going to hear lines like, make you happy when you're sad and good when you're bad. I need to know that you believe. Those are lines you're going to hear. The other lines that maybe are a little more confusing and don't fit in with what your interpretation of the song is, you're not going to listen to as much. You're going to just kind of forget about those lines because they don't make sense to you, right? They don't really, they don't fit in. They don't, they don't match your interpretation. So I'm not a human, I'm a dove. Oh, that's just Prince, you know, throwing some some lyrics together, you know, trying to make it deeper than it needs to be. And <laughs> you can you can do that, you know, if you want. If one wants to do that, they can do that. Which is actually, I think, a really good thing for this song's popularity because it's not just hammer over the head. This song is about religion. This song is about Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's, it doesn't have to be. You know? Yeah, and I I have a question, you know, for you, Jason. I'd really love to know your opinion, and it's a question I think about a lot, and I think you know the listeners can think about too. It's that how do you think Prince wrote this song? So, like we talked about, he has the movie in mind. Mm -hmm. um, he also has his religious upbringing, um, some of these spiritual teachings that have stayed with him and influenced him. So, do you think he's just this is just kind of all mixing together and coming through him like he's almost channeling it almost when he sits down to write it so it's not like oh i'm gonna write a song with these three different interpretations <laughs> like you know what i mean like i, I, I it's it's so he's so brilliant but i'm wondering if it just comes to him and he like realizes later like oh i just i just did this multi-layered thing so what do you think so in my research for this song i did see that there were early versions of this that he was throwing around as early as 1981 and like doing like sound checks with this with the uh the proto revolution i don't know what those lyrics were though right because it's there's no um documented version of what that 
early earliest version of the song was like back in 81. So if I know knowing that, knowing that he didn't just write this song for the film like he did for When Doves Cry or Take Me With You. Like I think the I think it's been documented. I haven't found anything else to say that those two songs in particular were really bouncing around in their unfinished versions for years prior to completion. Those seem like okay, Prince, we need more songs for this for this movie. I Would Die For You, though, I believe, was kind of being worked out before Prince had this film. Well, at least before this film was a, a real thing. Like, we know from reading The Beautiful Ones, his biography, that this film, the, the imagine that he had, the image that he had in his mind for this film had been kicking around prior to 83, but I don't know how long. So my guess is that he had this song and it was around the controversy time, so it would have been around that time that he was really starting to kind of push that that religious part of him more to the forefront in songs like Controversy and songs like Sexuality. So it wouldn't surprise me if he had written this song with the religious context in mind, knowing that it was going to be a multi-layered song because that was that was his way then to make a song mean multiple things we, we have many examples of that already but then when it was like decided it was going to be part of the film i can see him tweaking some lines changing some words to then ensure that it could fit the film that's that's my guess yeah i think that's solid and i think you know how i've been thinking about it is i, I think he, he does both things at different times like I think sometimes it just comes through him and he's spoken about that like oh I dreamed this or this this song came to me like fully formed or whatever and sometimes like just from studying songs line by line like if I study a song like seven where I can pull like direct passages from the Bible like it kind of like I get this picture in my head of Prince like opening the Bible and like looking like studying and and being inspired that way. Um, and then other times, like I said, it's just he's heard these biblical messages for so long. It just kind of comes through him, maybe without him realizing it. Um, so I think it's yeah, I think it's just all of those things at different times. But it's it never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. This um. This podcast that I'm doing <laughs> never <laughs> never bores me. Let's put it that way. I'm far from being bored in covering Princess Lyrics. And this is a great time to really kind of dive into alternate meetings because we've got a film that we know these songs were being played in. And certainly there's reasons why. And there has to be like this underlying message that kind of is the common thread between songs for that reason, but Prince being Prince, we know that he's going to throw other stuff at us. I mean, it would just, I feel like he would just be bored to tears if he was just writing songs for a movie that had one meaning and one meaning only. Like, okay, this is my love song. Okay, this is my dance song. Okay, this is my rock song. You know, I think it's just, <laughs> he had other ideas and this was his big moment. He had this, this vision for these songs but also, they have to serve the purpose of fitting in with a film. So that's why it's so fun to go through these 
these Purple Rain songs because we know that there's so much going on with it. But in the same time, the one thing that we also know that's going on with it is the film. And and it's and they're all tied to that in many ways. So I think um, I don't really have anything more to say about I Would Die For You, Erica. Do you? No, I think that, well, the only other thing that I would say is, and I wish I knew the name of like the church or the group, but there's a lovely video of like a church choir doing this song that will really bring out the religious subtext. Um, so if you just Google, I would die for you church or church choir or religious virgin, you'll be able to find it. And um, it's just, it's really beautiful. It happened after he passed away, but it, it will m- really like make you think like, wow, he was really like, he really had this other meaning in mind. So I would just encourage everyone to look that up. And I think that's it. Yeah. That I have to say. Okay. Well, I also encourage any listeners to check out what Eric is doing on her blog. So do you want to direct people in that direction? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, a purple day in December.com. I document um, my journey in writing um, a book on Prince's spiritual journey, but also I do other things like interviews and I write on other topics there. So it's, um, it has a lot of variety. So I would just love for you to check it out. And then in terms of social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss, M-I-S-S underscore E Thompson, E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining me on this episode. I think this was great and fun. And it's always <laughs> it's always nice to have somebody who's a little who who has maybe a little more knowledge than I do on these matters. The fact that you threw out some Bible passages, I appreciate that greatly because I could not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries. It's invaluable to me. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. Okay, so this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger, and thanks again to Erica Thompson. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.